0: Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss and thank you for listening. On august eleventh, two thousand fourteen, Robin Williams committed suicide. It seemed so implausible that someone of his fame, of his financial success, and the willingness of him to give so much to others would take his own life. When Robin Williams committed suicide, the shock was almost palpable. Mindy Rosenblum is a psychiatrist in Rhode Island, and we thought it necessary to discuss not only the suicide, but depression and suicide amongst all of the people whose names are never known as much as Mr. Williams was known. Thank you for being with us this morning.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity to discuss this timeless topic. It's unfortunately been punctuated now, but it's been a problem for decades that we'd like to change.
0: What's interesting about this particular case is, in so many ways, I think and so many people agreed, I felt like I almost knew him. Of course, I didn't, but he made me laugh, he made me think, I enjoyed his work, and he seemed so charitable. It got me in a very odd way. How did it affect you?
1: I would say similarly, he was like a staple in my life. My first name is Mindy, and at that time I was dating a young man named Mark, and everyone, he says, Mark and Mindy, Mark and Mindy. And I like now when I go to a movie to see something funny, see Mrs. Doubtfire years ago. So my first reaction was just complete disbelief. It can't be. This is someone I turn to. In fact, I tell my patients who are feeling anxious or stressed or even depressed, that maybe you could get some temporary relief by watching something humorous, and it would be something like Robin Williams' characters that I would recommend.
0: He spoke very openly about his depressions, and one of the things that troubled many people is that even with the amount of money he had, and apparently, therefore, he could have been to any doctor perhaps in the world, he couldn't be fixed, or at least we think he couldn't be fixed. I know we don't have specifics of the case, um, perhaps nor should we, other than the aspects of what has ported in the newspaper. But what is it that brings people with his types of resources to commit suicide? Are there any, shall we say, generalities that we can learn from this?
1: Well, what I would say is we all have that idea that he could have accessed the best care, but we still know there is a stigma with mental health. He did speak about it, but sometimes you feel like it does become public every time he would go into detox or rehab that people did find out. Sometimes he felt like maybe he had a lot of treatment and that maybe this was something that was going to pass. Unfortunately, there are intelligent, successful, talented men and women who have access to treatment and either don't participate fully or unfortunately go to someone and he's an actor. If he was intent on doing this, he could have acted like he was in an okay place and be planning it because he literally had those skills. The bigger piece that we can all learn from this is that he really had risk factors. So even with good treatment, and again, I wish we knew more details, but he had risk factors with his history of depression, and again, we don't know if it was a unipolar or a bipolar depression, but it's in the depressed phase. We've heard that he was sober now, but we do know that alcohol, and in the past he's used cocaine, those are risk factors. It did come out that he now, what they call the early stages of Parkinsonism, I'm not sure if it's as early because... I had seen something where they had said he was out on a date with his wife and he was covering the arm with a coat because he had the tremor. And maybe for him, because he is used to just popping out of his chair and going into a couple different characters, that this had an existential impact on him in terms of what's going to happen to my career or my day-to-day. So he might have been feeling an extreme distress or fear, which can be risk factors again.
0: Is suicide generally impulsive or is it planned?
1: That's such a great question because I've tried to talk through my career over two decades to individuals who've had what we call aborted attempts or aborted suicidal acts or just happened to be found or caught. And for the most part, a lot of individuals said it just kind of came upon them What I've heard is the majority tend to be impulsive, and most of my patients who have not acted on their suicidal thoughts say it's something that they don't want to act on, but they're fearful of. So that's why we try to limit people's access to the means, because if they can get past 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, that feeling might pass. If you're intoxicated at the time, you don't have good judgment and you might act on it. Or if you're alone, so sometimes we'll say if you're like that, get on a hotline, get on it with people. Most of the time my understanding is that it is impulsive, but there's a small percentage when it's really well planned out. And these are the individuals who are calling friends somehow to indirectly say goodbye, you know, maybe giving some things away, making special arrangements, leaving a note. Now, I don't know if there were any details in the Robin Williams case, but we do know he was sleeping alone in another room. He obviously had the rope, so you don't want to have the means if someone's had these feelings before. But for the most part, bigger numbers support that these are impulsive acts. And interestingly, alcoholism, cocaine, that's someone who may be a little bit more prone to impulsivity. We do want people who express any, ideas about the world would be better off without me or saying anything about wishing to die or to take their life, maybe I won't be here, that we do want to follow up on that line of reasoning because if they're left alone when that reasoning comes out another time, they could take their life.
0: A lot of people try to associate or at least make an association between the style of suicide and the motivation. Men tend to be more violent in their suicide attempts. Women tend to be not as violent, they will use pills. He committed himself by hanging himself. It's, it's rather horrific. I mean, death by any manner is horrific. Do we have any sense or any insight into the style of his chosen method well, of suicide?
1: I think what you said the first part was that women maybe attempt three or four times for every completed suicide compared to gentlemen. So about 70, I believe, or 70% of the suicides end up being in males because they do tend often to select highly likelihood of fatal means like a hanging or certainly using guns. The fact that he did hang himself, this isn't like taking three pills and then two sips of of alcohol. This is something where it seemed like he was intent on doing it. And so that makes you think there was a little bit of planning involved because the likelihood of surviving that, If you took a few pills and someone happened to come home or happened to call this and that, there's a chance to save you. There's, what, seconds? I don't even know what kind of clock that you could save someone who tries to hang themselves.
0: Sometimes we hear of suicides, especially amongst teenagers, young girls, that I'm going to kill myself because my boyfriend left me. So that's almost in a retaliatory manner. Robin Williams seems to be more in escaping his own personal pain how, if it's possible, from a psychiatric point of view, do we assess a suicide's risk variables and factors? Do we have any
1: ability to predict it? There are some tools now, and I know on the Centers for Disease Control, one of the tools that I had become familiar with was Columbia Suicide Severity Rating Scale that I think was initially put together for adolescents, but I know trainings have been done by Dr. Kelly Posner, I believe, and some of this you can get for family members or individuals. And it kind of explores, is there a wish, but you're not going to act on it? Is there thinking, but how far are you taking it? And then this line of very gentle reasoning where you don't have to be very highly trained to find out, have you ever tried to plan it out or have you ever tried to prep for it? And then certainly a very important issue with suicide is the pattern. Has someone tried to do something before? And if they did, what did they try or what did they do? So were they making minor little cuts or took two or three pills, but they knew someone was home or they left it out in the open? Or was this someone who really had planned out something very careful and just by sheer luck Someone stumbled upon them or happened to come home early. There was a gentleman, this was very early in my career, that one Sunday he stayed back from church, and what happened was he had lost a lot of weight, which he thought back then meant he had some type of fatal cancer or something, and he was frightened by the treatment or what would happen from him, and he thought it would be a burden to the wife. And, And so he stayed back, and he made serious cuts on both wrists, very serious. She, for some odd reason, I don't remember now, came home, and of course he's bleeding, but he was saved. But he made it a plan. He wanted to spare her from this illness. It was very thought out, so this wasn't something very minor, little cuts. This was not retaliatory. He had frightened and fear of going through an illness, and he thought the wife would be better off. So we do have to distinguish as clinicians whether this is just some attention or wanting someone to say they're sorry. Unfortunately, quite often it is harmful for the relationship, and I have adults who will do this, and the partner will say, I love you, but I don't like that behavior, or that's not the best channel. And, of course, these are individuals We want to give them other tools or other ways to soothe themselves or to help themselves get out of that place. Something like Robin Williams, as you pointed out earlier, he selected a means where, again, maybe because he's a public figure, we are going to find out about it. I think the unfortunate part is even celebrities can get hopeless and get into such a dark place and in such extreme distress that they feel they need to take their life. And I don't know how much he thought about the fact that people would know or not know, but he is certainly giving us the opportunity for all of us to pay more attention to our loved ones and the people in our circle to explore or look for signs. We don't know the case well enough to see what signs were there. Could this have been preventable?
0: That's so critical because obviously he was a very intelligent man. Obviously, he knew that the media would report his suicide, at least I would think that he knew that the media would report his suicide, and it would be a large tsunami of discussions, and we're part of that, obviously, but... Why – and again, we don't know the specifics, but why didn't he just disappear? Why didn't he just retire? Why didn't he buy a house somewhere on an island where he could be by himself? It's because you can't escape from depression. Depression is with you. So I can only imagine that he must have been terribly desperate to do this in such a horrific manner.
1: I'm just almost wondering – it's kind of like the thing where – Just that he's a human being like others, thinking pattern gets clouded, too, when you're in the deep depths of a depression. So as soon as someone comes in, they're depressed, and they have to decide about work or marriage, and I'll say, don't make a decision now. Because the whole concept of cognitive therapy is that our thinking gets irrational.
0: And most suicide interventionalists will tell the person, please, wait 10 minutes, wait an hour. And the immediate crisis tends to deferves a little bit, and they get past that obstacle that they can't get around. One of the things that bothers me, and maybe this is inappropriately overextending something, but I'm worried that a lot of people will look at Robin Williams and say, boy, he couldn't get fixed. He had all the money in the world. He could go to any hospital and stay there forever and ever. They couldn't fix him. So someone who doesn't have money, would it say that psychiatry can't fix me either?
1: People would say that there's a lot of unanswered questions. Was he in active treatment? Were they working on the right diagnosis? And was he opening up about information. We just don't have those answers. This whole question, was it unipolar, was it bipolar? The rates are just very high, and if they're not treated properly, Sometimes individuals get into what's called a mixed state where they're kind of have symptoms of depression and some revved up racing thoughts and such, and it's a very high-risk place. I understand he was in sobriety, so we're told. You could have great clinicians, and in fact, the data supports that a lot of suicides happen right after coming out of a hospital or that within 30 days you had seen some type of provider. You could still be in treatment. And either the provider wasn't asking the right questions, wasn't staying current or wasn't asking it in the right way, or Robin Williams was planning it. There is a daughter-in-law of a patient that unfortunately had learned, and it was the grandchild of my patient, very gifted musician, this that in his 20s. He went in good care here hospital, and somebody did, he said he was fine so he could leave so he could hurt himself. I think sometimes when you're planning it, it is very hard. Was he supposed to be on medicine? Did he stop it? Sometimes you just make an existential decision. So I don't know that we could question, Did he not get proper treatment? Was he availing himself of it? Was he going regularly? Was he opening up? Again, we're Monday morning quarterbacking, but we know mood disorders are dramatically the highest reason why people commit suicide and the history of substance problems so he really was an extremely high risk and and what role did not necessarily the Parkinson's disease directly but what impact was that having on his day-to-day functioning and his career.
0: One other thought is that at the moments of the suicide and perhaps the hours or days prior to the suicide, he wasn't Robin Williams, the actor. He wasn't Robin Williams, the comedian. He wasn't Robin Williams that we only saw on television and movies. He was Robin Williams, the person suffering from a pretty nasty depression. We've got to recognize that these famous people are really just like you and me. And I think that's part of the aftereffect of his death is that, oh, my goodness, fame doesn't provide money, doesn't provide protection. Not
1: at all. No, Jacqueline O'Nassis, Ted Kennedy. Sometimes it's just a bad illness. He had been struggling with this, my understanding is for decades and the parts we don't know is the family history or did he ever attempt before or I don't think there was any abuse but there were other risk factors that's not our business. But he had been struggling for a long, long time. And he is just a human being. So whoever the treatment provider is, and this is the wake up call for you and I and any other providers who are listening is, engage the family because when we're treating certain illnesses that we make sure that the family is aware of the common signs and symptoms and that there is a potential risk for suicidal thinking and potentially planning and acting and that we need them to be on guard, just like they ask us now in the airports, look out if anything is suspicious. We need to get a significant other to sign a release to either come in or to have a brief conversation or get some information because we could all be watchdogs because we only see them for a small piece. It's the family, friends, and loved ones could scout out people around them to say, Gee, their behavior has shifted. Or Gee, they've made some subtle comments about wishing they weren't here or planning something. Something is odd or just funny how they called them or left them a note that just seemed peculiar. Follow up on that person. Check on that person. Don't leave them alone. I'm hoping that could be the takeaway because he's done so much for us already. Made us think, made us cry, made us laugh. He had such depth, but underneath it all, those were characters that he played and there was some interview that I heard shortly after he had passed away by, I think it was like a fellow comedian and who had interviewed him a couple of years ago. Someone went up to him in an airport and said, can you be such and such a character? And he was kind of put off by it, like right now I'm just a person traveling in the airport like you and me. And so underneath it all, that was his job to do this. But he was vulnerable like everybody else, despite what he had in the bank, to feeling badly after an argument. Or feeling sad or distressed or I, I understand too that I think he had a television show that might not have gone as successfully so he was vulnerable And the highest risk for suicide, and it sounds silly to say older adults, starts at age 65, but white males over 65 and he was 63. Between the depression and being a male and some of the substance background, he just was much higher risk, and that is the take-home message for myself and you and our peers is not to minimize this risk and to try to learn about the new tools and screening tools and to try to get more training done in the community.
0: When psychiatry has the right tools and the person and there's motivation and there's family involvement and use of our medications, we are sadly not always successful, but we're successful a lot of the times. I think that's one of the things that bothers people in mental health. But what went wrong? Where did something slip up?
1: Part of it is always being mindful as a clinician if he was engaged in treatment. We don't know. Trying to get families, once someone does engage, to say, look, this is like almost like a child when they go home after their first immunizations, the babies. They'll tell them what's normal, you know, a fever or how to handle this and that, but call cool if such and such happens. And I think that's the kind of campaign we need to do on all different levels to teach people about the warning signs and who is someone that just wants a little bit of attention and a little TLC and needs to learn some other tools and who are people that are seriously planning and prepping for an event. We need help with that because people are only in the office a short time or in the hospital a short time, but they're in the their host communities doing their jobs and someone just might pick up on a difference in their pattern of behavior.
0: It strikes us that so many of us, I think, these are my words not necessarily a universal truth by any stretch of the imagination taken back by you was so fragile
1: uh-huh. My understanding, I think he said in some of the other interviews that that's what makes sometimes a good comedian or a good actor, is being able to feel. If you remember from Chorus Line, feel. You had to feel things. And I think that he felt that he had emotion, as we recall. He was the therapist in The Goodwill Hunting. And some of his movies, if you go back and, again, you Monday morning quarterback, there were certain things that are very poignant.
0: Indeed, there are. Fascinating. Very sad, but suicide is, is not unique to him obviously shall we say it this way suicide is far too common and we just need to learn from them and hopefully reduce the incidence of it more and more i thank you so much mindy rosenblum is a psychiatrist from your brown university right
1: yeah brown medical school yes
0: okay. necessary topic good points and i um I wish the Robin family, Robin Williams family, and everybody else who suffered a suicide in their, in their family, um, they get uh, our thoughts. They get our thoughts. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you.